Welcome to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. I'm really excited to be joined today by Kate Vasquez, who is a functional medicine physician assistant, which is not something I hear all the time. Um, She's the founder of Radiant Health and an award-winning author. She loves empowering high-performance women to reclaim their health and vitality to become the confident leader they aspire to be. She created the Radiant Method and wrote the bestseller, Estrogen is a Bitch, to bring awareness about hormone imbalances. She teaches women how to naturally balance their hormones, use their cycle as their superpower, and reconnect to themselves at their highest level so they can create a life by designing the life they love living. Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, Dr. Alex. Thank you so much for having me here today. I'm just so excited for our conversation. Yeah, we uh, share a lot of similarities and parallels in how we do things. So I think this is going to be fun. Um, And let's just dive in. I'll I'll have you start by sharing your story because we also have some parallels in that. And I've shared some of my journey on the show around estrogen and why it's a BITCH. (laughs) Tell me how you, how you went from the world of being a physician's assistant to doing more functional medicine and kind of what that journey's looked like. Yeah, absolutely. I I love sharing my story because yeah, that's exactly why, why I'm here and do what I am doing today. Um, So starting off, um, I was, Uh, when I graduated PA school back in like 2012, I first dove into cardiology because I love the heart, um, learning about it. And so that was my, my first job out of PA school, but I was only in it for a few months when I realized I was forgetting everything else I had learned, which I did not like. So (laughs) I got the opportunity to jump into urgent care because that's really where I wanted to be, even though I loved heart and cardiology. I wanted urgent care because I got to see everything and, um, and I love the quick fix. Like I didn't like primary care and like management. I wanted more of like helping people feel better in the moment. So urgent care was amazing for at least the first like five, six years. And then after, um, that time it actually, I, I started noticing like the same people coming in all the time and they would constantly ask me, why am I getting sick? Why are these medications not helping? And at first I couldn't, I didn't know what to tell them and I didn't know how to help them. Like I only learned what I knew and how to help them in the moment and to get them, send them back to their primary or send them off to a specialist. And, um, that's all I knew being in the urgent care. And that's all I could do being in the urgent care as well. And one day I, uh, was listening or I came across Dr. Hyman somehow. I don't even remember how, but I was listening to him talk about functional medicine. And I was like, what is this? And he was explaining how functional medicine is the medicine of why and how we look at the whole body and how all the systems are integrated. And a lot of chronic disorders can be reversed and we can heal our own body. And I was like, wow, this sounds amazing. And I'm like, sign me up. So I did my research and I uh, decided to pursue my functional medicine certification through the Institute of Functional Medicine. And so IFM. And so once I started learning about functional medicine, I realized like, you know, once my eyes were open, I couldn't go back (laughs) and I couldn't continue to work in the urgent care anymore because 
I, I knew there was a better way for people. And I really wanted to help people on a whole nother level. So I started my own practice while I was getting my certification. I decided to start my practice while still working at the urgent care until it finally got to the point where I was able to do, to be in the practice full time. Uh, once I got my certification and, and also during that time, I also had my own health issues that I didn't think were a big deal. Um, but I realized like what was happening in my body. So, um, to start, I had migraines ever since I was a child. And then when I went through puberty, I developed acne. And so I ended up getting on birth control pills, to, which did help clear my skin. So that right there was a sign of hormonal imbalance. And then I started having a lot of anxiety in high school into college. And then in college developed a lot of constipation and bloating. So having a lot of GI issues. So basically one thing was happening after over, over the course of my life. And I didn't really think to think that they were all connected and they really were, everything was happening. And, you know, it was like a domino effect, one thing happening after the other. And I had to just um, really learn about my body. And, and that's why I went through functional medicine because then it really helped open my eyes. I learned about my body, about all the systems that were being impacted and learned how to heal my gut, learn how to help calm my body down. Cause I had so much anxiety and stress and, um, and that was really impacting my gut and my hormones. So I did a lot of healing, but I was still on birth control pills. And it wasn't until about almost three years ago, I finally came off birth control because I wanted to prepare my body for pregnancy. I'm still not ready for pregnancy, but I wanted to make sure there was enough time for my body to be off the hormones to make sure I had optimal nutrients in my body. Um, but when I finally stopped birth control, my hormones went crazy. And this surprised me because I'm like, I, I don't understand. I did all the work. I supported my gut. I, you know, reduced the amount of stress in my body, really calmed down the anxiety and optimized my nutrients. And I'm like, what is happening for the first time in my life? I was having irregular cycles. They were longer than 30 days. Um, some were like 32, some were 36. It was like all over the place every month. It was irregular. I had severe menstrual cramps. I also had breast tenderness and I'm like, I've never experienced that before either. And I started gaining a little bit of weight in my butt, hips and thighs, which I've always been like a slim active fit person. And so when I started gaining weight, I'm like, Whoa, what is going on? Um, so I decided to test my hormones because I hadn't, that was the one thing that I hadn't looked at yet because I was on birth control and birth control suppresses all of our hormones. So obviously everything's going to be low, but once I was experiencing these symptoms of hormonal imbalance, tested my hormones and I discovered my progesterone was really low and I needed to support estrogen metabolism. And that's where the problem was. So I was experiencing symptoms of estrogen dominance. And, um, once I understood what was happening in my body, then I figured out how to really help support my hormones naturally to get them back into balance. And then I started seeing the same patterns in the clients that I was seeing as well. I realized like, wow, a lot of women have estrogen dominance. And so I finally worked on helping them with those specific protocols to heal their body. So they no longer have to suffer with PMS symptoms and the mood swings, the weight gain, the bloating, and it really made such a difference in their life. So um, with that being said, I, um, so that's how I got into like really helping women with estrogen dominance and discovered, um, you know, the impact it has. And then one day I was just like thinking about estrogen dominance and how, wow, I'm like, goodness, when estrogen is in balance, it causes a lot of problems. And I'm like, wow, estrogen's a bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then once I popped that, now mind you, I'm like, when that phrase popped in my head, I normally don't say that word. Um, and then I definitely don't use it lightly. But when I thought of that, I was like, wow, that actually would make a great title for the book. And from that moment, I knew I needed to write a book to educate women because unfortunately there's not a lot of information and resources out there to educate women. Like, you know, what they're experiencing is not normal. And the good thing is, is that they can do something about it. So they no longer have to suffer in silence every month. So I love this. And I, I love, you know, just in you sharing, I think we've so normalized so much about hormones and women don't realize that there's actually something we can do about it. And so there's like multiple pieces of this conversation we can unpack, um, you know, from your story, include like, maybe I'm trying to think of where I want to start with this, but maybe let's start with the birth control conversation, because, you know, I know that's something that a lot of women, either we've been on in a long time, or we finally decide to come off and like our body totally freaks out. Cause it's, there's not much that's generally beneficial around that, except maybe preventing pregnancy or, you know, at times dealing with PMS symptoms and whatnot. But I love what you said in that if you're experiencing those things and birth control is helping you have some hormone issues, <laughs> Yes, you know, there's other ways to address. So I'm, I'm curious, just like either your perspective or your experience for those who are listening and, you know, either have been considering it or are maybe still in that place of trying to figure out what to do with birth control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, it's really important that women have informed consent. Unfortunately, you know, most medical doctors and physician assistants, nurse practitioners, you know, we are not taught uh, about the long-term effects of birth control. We're just taught that, yeah, if someone's smoking, um, definitely it's a contraindication. So don't prescribe it because it does thicken our blood. So it can increase the risk of blood clots or women that have something called factor five Leiden, which is a clotting disorder. So any type of thing that would increase the risk of blood clots, you definitely don't want to take birth control. So that's all we know is like, yeah, it can cause like strokes and, um, <laughs> it can cause blood clots, but it's kind of just very limited. And um, a lot of women are prescribed birth control as a solution uh, to a lot of hormonal imbalances. So yes, I understand it. If women want to take it to prevent pregnancy, even though I believe um, that there's better ways, like I love the, uh, the natural fertility awareness method, um, which can be helpful, but at the end of the day, it's your decision. However, if you are experiencing symptoms of hormonal imbalance and the first thing your provider wants to do is prescribe birth control, you know, at least learn about the impacts birth control has on the body and what it can do. And then also what I also believe is that women should seek out different ways and things that they can do. Like why is the hormonal imbalance occurring in the first place. Cause if we can figure out why it's happening in the first place, a lot of time we can really get rid of those symptoms and you don't need to, to take birth control because at the end of the day, birth control is just a bandaid. It just suppresses the hormones, which yes, it can definitely help the symptoms, but the underlying root causes are still there. And so the problem is, is when women get on. So a lot of, I hear it all the time, women with PCOS or endometriosis or whatever hormonal imbalance they have, they get on birth control. And then as soon as they stop it to take a break, or for whatever reason, their symptoms come back up and they flare up and they're worse than what they were before the birth control. And, um, and so I just want women to have the understanding awareness that it doesn't really treat anything. It's just suppressing it's a bandaid, but then there are also handful of women. They take it and they actually start having new symptoms that they never had before. And that's because they're just, they're sunset synthetic estrogen and progesterone. It's not the same as our own hormones. So of course, anytime we take in something that's not like our hormones, it's similar, but not the same. It's going to create a lot of side effects as well. But yeah, a lot, 
of what women don't understand is the, you know, as I mentioned, the long-term effects. And that's why I want to really help educate women and help them understand, you know, this is where that informed consent comes in is do the research and understand, okay, these are, this is what could happen. So when I did a lot of research looking into birth control and its impacts on the body, the first thing was it impacts the gut health. And that made a lot of sense because I had taken it uh, starting as a teenager and then started having gut issues in my twenties. And I'm like, okay, so granted birth control is not the only root cause of gut issues, but it is one of the causes that impacts gut health. In fact, if you look up the studies and research, it shows that there is a link between birth control and something called leaky gut. And when I say leaky gut, I'm referring to the gut lining, which is about one cell thick. And a lot of things can impact it. I mean, if it's only one cell thick, a lot of things can really help uh, disrupt that, that uh, gut lining barrier. And that barrier is very important because on the other side of that is our immune system. So we want to make sure we have this really tight barrier that's preventing things from passing through. But the problem is, is when we take medications like birth control or Advil, um, we're exposed to like inflammatory food and toxins and heavy metals, also stress. I mean, so many things can impact this one cell thick barrier, and then it starts opening up. And that's why we call it leaky gut. Cause now we have these holes, these openings in that gut barrier. And now things are passing through. Like if there's a bad bacteria that's in your gut, they can release these toxins called lipopolysaccharides. And these toxins can pass through, get um, into your uh, bloodstream. They can tar- you know, really uh, activate your immune system. Um, so so this, this can be a problem. Um, so yeah, so the studies do show that it impacts, it can contributes to leaky gut, impacts the gut lining, and it has been linked to the development of gut disorders such as Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. So again, because that immune system's on the other side, and that's actually, it's interesting because a lot of autoimmune disorders that happen is usually because there's leaky gut. And so it does make sense. Like birth control is going to trigger, you know, autoimmune disorder of the intestines. So and that is the one thing um, that I want women to understand does impact gut health. Also, another study I was looking at shows that it impacts the gallbladder's ability to produce bilirubin. And we need bilirubin to produce bile. Yes. And why is this important? <laughs> this is important because um, when estrogen gets metabolized, it gets metabolized in our liver first. There's two phases, phase one and phase two. So it goes from it's active form in phase one to inactive form after phase two. And then once it's inactive, then it's supposed to bind to bile. And then once it binds to bile, it goes to our intestines and then it gets eliminated. So this is why it's important to understand that when birth control is impacting the liver from and, and pre- preventing the liver from producing a lot of bilirubin, we're not producing enough bile to bind up those inactive estrogens. So now Um, we are having a lot of estrogen that is building up in our system and we're not getting rid of it. And that can definitely be a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm like totally into this conversation. (laughs) This is really, really good. And what I think maybe we can dive into this next, because, you know, what's super interesting to me, and I know you've seen a lot of estrogen dominance in, you know, in your practice as well. And you talked about in your book, I I was flipping through it earlier before we got on this, but you talked about there's three different causes of estrogen dominance. And so, you know, we've got this liver thing and I talk about liver all the time and gut health and, you know, we need to be able to actually get rid of the stuff that's built up. Um, and I was going to add, I read a study that, um, our stress levels actually impact the flora that colonize our gut as well, which can be seen as well. And I find that super interesting, like how healthy our gut is, is directly related to our stress. Um, 
So I just thought I'd throw that tidbit in, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, the three main causes are, yeah, is poor gut health, um, toxins in our environment, birth control pills, but there's so many other causes to estrogen dominance as well. But I'm so glad that you mentioned that because um, that was another thing too, that I realized um, when I was going through functional medicine for myself and healing my body, I came across a study that showed stress depletes lactobacillus and lactobacillus is the good, healthy gut bacteria that we need in our gut. And when I had done a stool test, I barely had any lactobacillus and it made sense because this was after PA school. So mind you, <laughs> so I had all that stress from school really knocked out my good gut bacteria. And I'm like, well, no wonder I have gut problems. And if we don't have, um, a good, healthy gut, it impacts our estrogen metabolism. And that's because in our gut, we have all these microorganisms, all these bacteria, and uh, they have different roles. They help with, you know, production of nutrients like vitamin K and B vitamins, but they also, um, there's specific bacteria that's important in helping with estrogen uh, metabolism. And it's called the strobilome, which is estrogen and microbiome combined together. Um, and I'm like, I love these gut bugs because they really help us keep our estrogens in check. <laughs> but, uh, but the problem is, is when we have a disruption of our microbiome. So we have like an overgrowth of bad bacteria, which is what happened to me. I had an overgrowth of bad bacteria in the gut, something called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, um, which makes sense why I had constipation bloating. Cause those are the two common symptoms associated with that. Um, or if you have like low stomach, acid levels or an overgrowth of yeast or parasites in the gut. If you have anything that's disrupting the microbiome, um, then it affects the, the gut bacteria that's responsible for estrogen metabolism. And then we also have this enzyme called beta glucuronidase in the gut. That's supposed to be low because it just allows like inactive estrogen to pass through. But when we have that disruption of the gut, that enzyme beta glucuronidase increases. And now all of a sudden it's turning that inactive estrogen back to its active form. And so now the body thinks that, oh, estrogen is, is ready to be used again. So it's going to bring it back into circulation. And now we, we just keep, um, reusing all that estrogen. And that's a problem because our bodies are supposed to uh, make estrogen and then get rid of it. But when we have that gut disruption, we are making estrogen and reusing it. So that's, that is a big, big, big problem. One of the biggest contributors to estrogen dominance. Okay. So we've talked quite a bit about like how we can end up in this place. What, what are some of the signs that you're dealing with this? Like, what are some of the symptoms that we might have? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I realized there were about, there's a lot of symptoms associated with estrogen dominance, and there's a lot of overlap with other like hormonal imbalances as well, but there are five telltale signs of estrogen okay. dominance. And I realized if women have about two or three of those signs, that's definitely a high chance they have estrogen yeah. dominance. So the first one is irregular periods. And that's because our hormones are fluctuating throughout our cycle and Estrogen rises right in the follicular phase, right? Which is the first half of our cycle, right before ovulation to help mature the egg and get it ready to be released. And so once ovulation occurs, the egg gets released and then estrogen starts to decline a little bit. And then we start to get a bump in progesterone, which is increasing during the second half of our phase or the luteal phase. And even though, uh, progesterone is increasing, we still get a little bump in estrogen during that time. But the problem is, is that we want to make sure progesterone levels are optimal and that estrogen doesn't go too high. And so, um, 
Oh goodness. I just like forgot where I was going with that. Oh yeah. Irregular. Irregular. <laughs> so uh so yeah so progesterone is supposed to be increasing then we get a little bump in estrogen but the problem is we don't want to we don't want low levels of progesterone and and too much estrogen and when that happens when we have lower levels of progesterone it's not sending the signals from our brain to our reproductive organs that pregnancy has not occurred and then we have our period so what that does is that actually causes us to have irregular cycles because we're not getting the signals at the proper time so it kind of uh, sets off our, our you know, our cycles back or sets our cycles back off a little bit. So, um, also estrogen, uh, excess estrogen can also affect ovulation too. So like women that have PCOS usually have high levels of androgens or testosterone and DHEA that can impact ovulation, but so can estrogen too. So sometimes that can delay or prevent ovulation from occurring so that when that happens, then we get those irregular cycles as well. The second, uh, symptom of estrogen dominance is, uh, is PMS symptoms. And that's because when, remember, we have these fluctuating hormones of estrogen, progesterone, if progesterone levels are too low, it's going to cause headaches, mood swings, and insomnia. And if there's a lot of estrogen in the body, what happens is, uh, estrogen actually causes prostaglandins to be released and prostaglandins are what help to contract the uterus, uh, when we have our period to help release the endometrium endometrium so we can have our period, but those prostaglandins also create inflammation and create pain. So if we have a lot of estrogen in our body, it's releasing a lot more prostaglandins. So that's why a lot of women will experience these really severe menstrual cramps. Um, the third symptom is heavy periods. And that's because estrogen also is responsible for, uh, the, the lining of the endometrium it's supposed to help thicken the lining. But if we have a lot of estrogen in our body, it's going to cause a really thick endometrial lining than normal. And so that when the women, um, so that is why when women have their period, they will actually have really heavier bleeds because they have a really thick endometrial lining due to those excess estrogens. The fourth symptom is breast tenderness, as I previously mentioned, and that's because estrogen causes the breast tissue to swell. And if there's a lot of excess or imbalanced estrogen, it causes that tissue to swell. And that also can cause the formation of cysts. So sometimes women that develop like fibrocystic breast disease, it's because there's just too much estrogen in their system. And then the last symptom uh, that I uh, discovered it, it, and I previously mentioned it too, which is what I developed is that weight gain, the weight gain in the butt, hips, and thighs. And that's because estrogen is responsible for our, our curves. So when we go through puberty, we start to get the curves in our butt, hips, and thighs. But the problem is, is that when we continue to gain weight and it gets deposited in the butt, hips, and thighs, that's definitely the biggest sign of estrogen dominance. So as I mentioned, if women are experiencing two or three of those symptoms, definitely high, high chance that there could be some imbalance with estrogen. Absolutely. And I'll, um, you know, sharing my strengths, I've talked about it on the show a little bit. I ended up figuring out I was estrogen dominant about a year ago and have gone on a journey where I've lost about 30 pounds and listening to this. I'm like, I don't think I've quite nailed it. Cause like my, I, every couple, I still, you know, have some bad cramping and stuff. Um, yeah. so I gotta do some more work on that, but for those listening, you know, the, the big thing, cause I, in my practice, I'm like, I don't want to deal with weight loss. I don't want to be part of that world. It's all gimmicky. It's all crap. Like I just, I can't stand it. I'm being really, you know, blunt with people on here. <laughs> but I kept having all of these clients and myself included, mm. like I just kept gaining weight and I'm like, I'm doing mm -hmm. all the things, but I can't lose weight. What in the heck? And so I literally, 
you know, for those listening, I had my head buried in the sand for like three years. And then I was feeling like, dummy, you know, some stuff about (laughs) hormones, just test yourself. So I did. And sure enough. And as soon as, you know, I was able to do some work with my liver and get metabolism going Mm -hmm. and I did some pretty intensive, you know, changes in how I was eating, the weight came off. I mean, I lost like nine inches in my hips and around my thighs, like in each place. And that, you know, and quickly and like maybe, you know, six to eight weeks or so. Um, And so when you get it realigned it, you know, your body will change. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And, you know, no more PMS symptoms. Like, like I said, I occasionally still get them and I think it's tied to how I've been eating. So I'll take a Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And if I, um, I will still have some, a little bit of cramps here and there, a cycle here and there. But when I look back at the the last month, it's usually because I had a little bit of a stressful month. So when I'm like creating something and launching something, there's a little bit more stress and that does impact, um, my, my symptoms and my hormones hands down. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we can do our best to like educate ourselves and, and do everything, you know, right. Eating the right foods, but there will be something like if you go on vacation and they don't have all the best foods, you know, available, or yeah, you had a stressful month. And even though I'm like, I'm better about my self care, I'll admit sometimes I just like let go of it for a couple of days and that makes a huge difference. And then that impacts our hormones. So, yeah, I mean, we, we are, we are all human, you know, and at the end of the day, we do the best that we can to really help support our bodies. Um, But it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, if you're, you know, eating healthy, if you're exercising, um, but the weight's not coming off, you know, something to think about is your hormones. And a lot of times the thyroid gets looked at and, and tested, but sometimes it's not just the thyroid, you know, it can just be that imbalance in the estrogen and, and progesterone. Like, like we both were, you know, experienced, we had a little bit of that weight gain. And once we balanced the hormones, the weight came off and it can be just as simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, the last piece of, that I wanted to just shed some, like bring attention to, and then we can move into, okay, what do we really do with this? Like we'll give people three things you can start doing, but, um, we, you touched on briefly, you know, there's three different ways that estrogen can be out of whack. So let's maybe hit those. Cause one of them actually estrogen can look normal, but your progesterone is, is like, there's, there's a ratio that has to be met. So let's maybe talk about that for a second. Yeah. The three different patterns of estrogen yeah. dominance. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Cause I realized when I did my research, a lot of people just talk about estrogen dominance as it's like this one thing. And they recommend if you Google, you know, the treatment for estrogen dominance, they recommend like the same stuff. And one of the most common uh, supplements is dim, which I love. And I definitely take it helps me. However, not every woman needs dim. And actually if they take dim and they don't need it, it can actually feel worse. Like they can get headaches and worsening of menstrual cramps. So it's really important that you, you do the testing. And then once I did the testing, I discovered that there were actually three different types of, of, of patterns of estrogen dominance, which really helped me to tailor and tweak the plan for each person. Um, because yeah, I mean, if, if progesterone is normal, you don't want to like give someone Vitex because they don't really need it, you know? And uh, unfortunately, a lot of supplements um, that you will find are these balancing hormone supplements, which has a mix of everything, but I'm like, sometimes you just don't need all of that. So as far as the three different patterns that I discovered, the first one was normal progesterone levels and high levels of estrogen. And so what I'm looking for is um, I'll do different tests, uh, sometimes blood work. And in blood work, I like to see 
uh, progesterone levels between 15 and 25. So if women, for example, are coming in their progesterone is like eight or 10, that's really, really low. Um, so there are things that I will do to help naturally support progesterone. Um, and so with that first pattern, if the progesterone is between 15 to 25, it looks good, but their estrogens are really, really high. So in blood work, um, there's not really like a optimal number, but typically if, uh, if, if one of my clients has estrogen, that's 200 or 300, I know that's a lot of estrogen. And what I'm looking at is the ratio of progesterone estrogen during the luteal phase. Cause remember that's when estrogen is, or excuse me, remember, cause that's when progesterone is reaching its peak. And so when uh, progesterone is at its peak, then we look at the ratio of estrogen and progesterone. And, uh, so that is the first pattern, normal progesterone levels, high estrogen. The second pattern is low progesterone and normal levels of estrogen, because even though estrogen may be like 100, but progesterone is low. So at eight or, or 10, as I was talking about, um, that can create that estrogen dominance effect. And then the third pattern is low progesterone and high levels of estrogen. So if someone has progesterone at eight or 10, and then their estrogen is like 200 or 300, that's really a lot of estrogen in the system with low progesterone. So that's really creating that estrogen dominance effect. Um, but yeah, I'll sometimes do blood work, but my favorite test is a urine test to really look at the metabolites of, uh, progesterone, the estrogen. And that's because I can also see what the liver is doing with the metabolites and that will help me to really tailor the plan. Do, does someone, do I need to support phase one of estrogen metabolism in the liver? Do I need to support phase two of estrogen metabolism in the liver? So I really like to do the urine test because not only can I see the amount of estrogen progesterone in their system during the luteal phase, but I can see what support do they really need when it comes to estrogen metabolism as well. Yeah, really, really great. And that's a lot of stuff that I keep learning more about and keep looking at. <laughs> there's, you know, there's different options out there, but Absolutely. for those listening, like if you're not picking up on this, it's important to actually know what's going on. And so if you're experiencing mm -hmm. any of these symptoms, and then the other thing that I find frustrating and you came from the Western medical world. So I'm sure you've experienced this is like, there's this, they just don't want to look at hormones. I don't know. I, I talk to all these and they are, you know, people are put on medication or hormone replacement therapy or, you know, like, Oh, you yes. probably have this, but we're not going to test it. And I'm like, why not? <laughs> like, just let's look at it. But they, they no one's, we're not trained in the Western medical world to really know how to understand yeah. this like yeah you have and you know like I've been on a journey too as well so yeah, yeah. absolutely I've, I've had clients come to me on hormones and when I actually tested their hormones their estrogen was so high and I'm like you don't need to be on the estrogen <laughs> I'm like okay. if anything like you probably need to support the metabolism of estrogen but yeah unfortunately um and yeah I, mean, I wasn't taught either I wasn't taught like to test the hormones they don't really see the point in it but un unfortunately there it is important and if if hormones are tested. Sometimes they're tested during the wrong time of the cycle. And that's right. important too, because if you're checking yeah. your hormones during your period and yeah, they're going to be low because they're not peaking yet. You know, if you understand like what happens with the hormones, the fluctuation, now, you know, when they should be tested and it can provide so much information, whether you have an imbalance in, in progesterone, estrogen, or both, and be able to support that. So that's why it's so important to find someone that, it, you know, has an understanding of the hormones and is open to doing the testing, because that's going to be really important. Absolutely. So we got that out of the way and, you now have <laughs> two resources <laughs> yes. you can go to for that. Um, so what, what else, what are some, I mean, obviously we talked a lot about gut health. So making sure that our gut is 
working. And then I have my version of, you know, the third being related to stress because it impacts hormones on such a big level. But I'm curious, like if you have anything else that you either want to add to that or yeah, <laughs> suggestions definitely. around that. For sure. Yeah. I definitely want to talk about stress and toxins as well. And then if we have time histamines, cause that one's another yeah. thing that yeah. I realized um, we're impacting women. So the first is stress. And that's because all our sex hormones and cortisol are produced from cholesterol. So when our body is under a sympathetic nerve, you know, it's in the sympathetic state, which is our fight or flight state, because we are under stress, we're going to be producing more cortisol. Now we, you know, normally if we experience stress, the cortisol level should come back down. But the problem is because of our modern day world and all the demands, (laughs) our cortisol levels tend to stay pretty high. (laughs) And over time, eventually they'll drop and become really low because the, the adrenals just get tired of producing a lot of cortisol. They can't keep up with the demand. But um, when our bodies are constantly in that fight or flight mode, that sympathetic state, as I mentioned, we're going to be producing more cortisol and we're not going to be producing as much progesterone. Now, progesterone is what is needed to help build uh, to to make the other sex hormones. However, women will still have you know, a lot of estrogen in their system anyway. So, but the, the importance of this is that when the body's not producing enough progesterone, that's where I'll see pattern two and three of estrogen dominance, where I'm seeing lower levels of progesterone and, uh, nor more high levels of estrogen. And so when I see that, I, I realize we need to really work on, uh, helping to support the adrenals and help women to adapt to stress. And I don't like saying manage stress. <laughs> so I'm always saying, how can we like learn to adapt to stress? Cause the stress is always going to be there. We're never going to manage the stress. The stress is always going to be there, but what can we do uh, when we are in a stressful situation to really help support our adrenals and help our bodies to adapt to stress. So, um, so in that way, moving our bodies from that sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state, because when our bodies are in a parasympathetic state, that's our rest and digest state. And that's when the body's more likely to produce progesterone, because at the end of the day, we are by biologically made to procreate. And so every, every month our bodies are meant to be producing progesterone. So if a, an egg gets fertilized, then pregnancy, you know, will occur. And so when our bodies are in that parasympathetic state, it's going to support reproduction, um, whether we want it or not, but, um, it's important to understand because when we're in that sympathetic state, our body is more focused on survival, not reproduction. And so we're going to have those lower progesterone levels, higher cortisol levels. And so when we, again, as I mentioned, when we have those lower progesterone levels, it's going to create that imbalance and cause estrogen dominance. So that is, um, one of the big things. And that's what I experienced as well. I just had so much stress in my life that I didn't, I, no one like ever taught me how to, um, to adapt to the stress. And so I did a lot of work, um, and creating a self-care routine that I still do to this day, because I realized if I don't do it, it makes a huge impact <laughs> in my day. Um, and it really helps me to like keep my stress levels down. Um, but yeah, the, the next thing is toxins too, that can really contribute to estrogen dominance. And that's because we are just exposed to so many chemicals on a daily basis. When I learned about, you know, the things, the products that I was using on my body and that are in my home, I was just like amazed at how many chemicals I was exposed to. And even more when I um, was looking at environmental working group, they did a study which revealed that women use on average 12 products to uh, 12 products a day and are exposed to 168 chemicals. And when I saw that number, I was like, 
mind blown. <laughs> so I started like grabbing all the products that I was using and reading the labels, counting all the ingredients. I'm like, oh my goodness, am I using over a hundred ingredients? It was so scary to me. And I realized I needed to start swapping these things out for better non-toxic products. And so, um, so, and I did that. I started swapping out my toothpaste, you know, my shampoo, my body wash. Um, and the reason is that these toxins, um, they contain these chemicals called xenoestrogens and xenoestrogens are basically foreign chemicals that are structurally made to look like estrogen. And so when we are exposed to these chemicals, they bind to the same estrogen receptors in our body as estrogen. And so now our body thinks that there is more estrogen in the system than there really is. And that is a problem. (laughs) So, so yeah, we want to really start looking at um, what are the products that we're using on our body and in our home, even personal care product or not personal care products, but um, household cleaning products. Um, You know, so the Lysol, the Windex, you know, all those things are just like just so many chemicals in them. The good thing is that there are so many companies out there that are making non-toxic, a lot cleaner products. And, um, you know, they are thankfully a lot of great resources too, like think dirty, um, and also, uh, Yuka. So Y U K a those two apps I love because they have a scanner in the app. So you can scan all the products that you're using, scan the barcode, And it will show you and give you a rating. Is it clean? Is it half and half or is it really dirty? And that way you have an idea of the products that you're using in your home, how, you know, clean they are or not and what you need to replace them with. So then when you go to the store again, use those same apps and scan all the products in the store to find a better alternative. And, um, I do want to say though, when I learned about all these toxins, it was definitely overwhelming because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I have to replace like everything in my home. Um, but I always say, start with one thing, start with one thing, swap out one thing at a time, because yeah, it can be overwhelming to replace everything, um, and costly. So if you just start swapping one thing out over time, over time, you will have, um, all the non-toxic products in your home. Um, so that is another big contributor to estrogen dominance. And then lastly, I'm going to talk about histamines. Um, cause I realized a lot of my clients, um, got better, but then there was a handful that just didn't get better. No matter when we, you know, what I did working on the gut, helping them to adapt to stress, supporting nutrients, getting rid of the toxins. There was still a small population that just wasn't getting better. I'm like, okay, what's the missing link here? But I discovered that a lot of them were very sensitive. They necessarily weren't sensitive in childhood, but as they started getting older, they realized they were really sensitive to certain chemicals and things and certain foods that they were eating. And I realized what the missing link was, was that they had histamine intolerance. And histamine intolerance is different than just like regular allergic reaction. Cause yes, histamines do play a role. Like when you have an acute allergic reaction, you know, if you are exposed to, um, uh, a chemical or if you take a medication or eat a specific food and you get really swollen and break out in a rash, or it can even cause anaphylaxis, which is a life-threatening condition. Um, histamine intolerance is a little bit more of a delayed reaction. It's not, it doesn't happen as, um, soon after exposure. In fact, a lot of time people will have higher levels of histamines that build up in their body and they're just not able to break it down. Um, and they can present with a lot of similar symptoms as like someone just having just like environmental allergies. So like runny nose, congestion, sinus headaches, but they can also have rashes too. You know, they have rashes and hives that, you know, they can't figure out what they're being exposed to. They can also have a lot of digestive issues. So some bloating gas associated with that. Also anxiety is another common symptom. It also can really flare up PMS. (laughs) 
And that's what I discovered too in my clients. Once I realized they had histamine intolerance, we pulled out the histamine foods and I put them on some uh, natural like antihistamine supplements and supplements to help them break down the histamine in their body. And it was like a 180 degree. They went from having PMS and pain around ovulation to being completely PMS free and no pain around ovulation. It was amazing. What a difference that made. So you know, yeah. if you're out there and you're like trying all these different things and something's still not working and you're realizing you're really sensitive to a lot of things in your environment, think histamines. <laughs> That's good. That's a connection I hadn't made yet, but now I'm really curious about. So I'm going to have yeah. to explore that one too. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, this has been a lot of fun and a ton of information. And the last thing I just wanted to share, cause I know we have a lot of listeners on this show who are kind of in that perimenopausal age, I've got like, mm. you know, some in that age and stage, like, and I, I was yes. just thinking as we were talking about this, like if you're trying to get pregnant or struggling with fertility, this is an episode to listen to. If you are going into menopause and having a lot of, you know, the symptoms that we've normalized that go along with this, this is also an episode to listen to yes. because these imbalances are going to rear their heads even more as you start to phase out of, you know, cycling regularly, because we still have some cyclical stuff that happens. So I just, yeah, I yeah, absolutely. I, thoughts on that. Yeah. But. Yeah. I'd love, I'd love to speak on that as well. Um, and that's an important point because it's not just women that are cycling that are experiencing estrogen dominance. In fact, when women start going through perimenopause and menopause, the first hormone to decline is progesterone. So what happens is when progesterone starts declining and estrogen still hanging out is going to create that estrogen dominance. So a lot of women, when they start going through the change, they will start experiencing a lot of the same symptoms, the heavy periods, the irregular cycles, you know, the insomnia, the, the mood swings. So they'll experience a lot of the same, same symptoms of estrogen dominance. So it's not just women that are still cycling. It can impact those women as well. Um, and again, for everybody, it's about bringing balance and, you know, going through these steps to really figure it out. Cause it's possible. We're both living proof of this <laughs> you know, Yeah, that are living proof of this. So absolutely. And I do want to say one more thing, you yeah. know, I, I don't want to give estrogen a bad rep. And I talk about this in the book as well, because we do need estrogen. Estrogen is yeah. so important. Um, you know, I talk about the benefits of estrogen, like it really protects our heart, our bones, um, because when women do go through menopause, so, you know, it's like with anything, do you have too much or too little? So when, when we have too much, it causes problems. When we have too little, it causes problems as well. And a lot of times when, when women go through menopause, they lose the protectiveness effect of estrogen. And that's why they're, they're at more risk of a lot of chronic disorders like heart disease and Alzheimer's diabetes and all these things, because they don't have estrogen protecting them anymore. So I don't want to say that too much estrogen is bad, uh, but uh, you know, it's just, it's all about figuring out where the imbalance is occurring and helping to really support our liver and our gut to help with the metabolism of the estrogen. So too much is not building up um, to really help support that. But yeah, I don't want to give estrogen a bad rep. We need estrogen. Estrogen is our friend, um, but it can become a problem if it's imbalanced. Absolutely. Well, Kate, thank you so much for coming on and just sharing your knowledge and kind of laying it all out. And I, I learned some more stuff from this and I'm constantly awesome. diving in and learning from that. So thank you. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today. Yeah. And real quick, where can, obviously you have a book. I, for those watching the video, I have it here. It's called Estrogen is a Bitch, <laughs> but we still <laughs> love her, right? Um, yes. So you have a book. Where, where can women go to connect with you and, you know, learn more if they feel so inclined? 
Yeah, absolutely. They can go to Amazon. That's where the book is. They have um, the Kindle version, paperback, hardcover. Um, probably at the time this podcast is released, the audio version will also be available as well because I realized um, a lot of women are on the go and don't always have time to sit down and read the book. So I did create the audio version and actually added a couple things. It's not in the book, but I did talk about menopause in the audio version. So I'll eventually update the physical copies. But yeah, but yeah I did add additional extra information in the audio version. And there's awesome online resources too that come with it. So it's just packed with so much information talking about, you know, what is estrogen dominance? I dive into all the different causes. I even talk about like estrogen's impact on the thyroid and autoimmune. And so diving more into those topics as well. Um, and like I said, uh, you also get amazing resources includes like meal plans and like a 28 day plan to really help support your hormones with exercise and self-care and so much, much more, but yeah, that's where they can find it on Amazon. Great. Well, again, thank you. This has been a lot of fun and uh, we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Alex. Welcome to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Each week we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board certified women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact.